0: Welcome to cast here, a podcast for parents and teachers about the best way to support kids living with learning difficulties. My name's Michael Shanahan.
1: And I'm Elon Musk. No, no I'm not. I'm Bill Hansberry.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Bill. And today we are talking about morphology. What is morphology and why you should be teaching it to your students?
1: But before we go there, we need to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on the lands of the Ghana people and we'd like to pay respects to their deep connection to the land and also pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the continuing dispossession and colonization that is going on. Thank you, Bill. Very welcome, Michael.
0: And we are joined today by Sally
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome welcome back
0: (laughs) to the podcast, Sally.
2: Yes, I'm here again. The one
1: and
0: only Sally Andrew. (laughs) Would you like to introduce yourself, Sally? A little bit about yourself.
2: Oh, there you go. Um, Well, I work in uh, tutoring business with students with dyslexia. For the main, and I also work alongside Bill in training and also alongside you, Michael, in something that we've been developing recently.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the reason we're here talking about morphology well, one of the reasons is because we have teamed up to produce an online morphology resource and online morphology tools that we'll be talking about today. But it's not all about that, it's really about morphology what it is and why we should be teaching it. And so maybe we start there. What is morphology?
1: Well, it's look, we'll give the Oxford probably definition. It's the, it's the study of the, of the smallest meaning parts in words. So if you look at Discastia, which is a made-up name, we've got a DYS, which is the first morpheme, and that means trouble with or problems with and we've taken cast as probably our base, haven't we? Yeah. And then we've got a suffix on the end of it, ia, which makes it a noun. But is that right, Sally? I think you're right, Bill. Yeah. So discastia is made of three morphemes. I don't know why I picked oh, I picked that because it's the name of this podcast, <laughs> but they are our bigger words in English. No, actually not even a bigger words. Every word in English has a meaning. But as words get bigger, And get more complex and particularly start to borrow from the Latin and the Greek origins of our language, we really need to be looking at these meaning parts which we call morphemes. Would you add to that, Sal? What have I missed?
2: No, I think that's really good. I think um, where it comes into play is uh, we're so used to teaching our students syllables and breaking words into syllables uh, which is fantastic. We need to do that. So if we've got picnic, we've got pick and nick. But, you know, when we go down the morphological route, uh, we start looking at those those parts, you know. So if I put the word reporter, I've got the prefix re, mm. which can stand alone. I've got the port and then I've got the suffix er. And that comes into play for both reading and spelling, which I'm sure we'll get into talking about later mm. in the podcast. It, it so,
0: does, yeah. Yes, so right. they're these little parts of words yes. that have meaning. And
1: we'll refer to this eem this a bit because you'll see the E-M-E suffix on the end of grapheme, phoneme, which schools who are teaching structured literacy are familiar with, mm. um, but eem means smallest unit of. So the eem on the end of morpheme is the smallest unit of meaning. Mm. Yeah.
0: So if we take even a, a step back, even a little further than that, mm. and think about you know literacy itself... We're talking about a language and recording a language. You know, reading and writing is a record, written record of English. Yeah. And so if we go back to the language, English, it's a morphophonemic language.
1: Sure. Yes. Yes.
0: And so we, you know, most of us are probably familiar with phonemes Mm. or the sounds that letters make Mm. and most phonics programs, you know, that people would be familiar with really focus on what sound does this letter make or what sound do these combinations of letters make. Mm. But sometimes in that morphology is left out even though it's half the language. Mm. You yeah. know, it, yes, the letters do make sounds, but they also carry meaning.
2: They certainly do.
0: And so that's probably, you know, for me the biggest revelation when I started learning about this, that there, that there's more to it. There's way more to English than just the sound, just putting the letters and the sounds together.
1: There, there is. And um, for schools that are on the beginning of their evidence-based teaching of reading and spelling journey... Um, just getting their head around the grapheme, phoneme correspondence stuff and how to best teach that. that. That consumes, it takes up all of teachers, I guess, brain space for a while and that's why morphology um, comes along a little bit later in the journey despite the fact we really need to be teaching morphology from the get-go along with the phonology part. Um, but yes, the, the the morphology is is a very very deep rabbit hole that you never emerge from because it, <laughs> it, it, our, our morphological system speaks to the it, it actually speaks to the many many origins of English. Um, so it's it's a it's a big field and it's mm. it's not for the faint-hearted, but it is absolutely necessary yeah. to teach well.
0: And I suppose that's why we're talking about it today because. I think it has been overlooked in mm. literacy instruction. I think there's been a big focus on phonics yeah. and mm. phonics instruction, but you don't often hear morphology being talked about in there. <laughs> not
1: not so much yet. Yeah.
2: yeah, It's coming, though. I think really last maybe five years, I think we've started to see the emergence of it, and as... You know, those of us who've been getting into it, you can see just how important a tool it is. Um, you know, not just for reading, but inc- incredible bang for your buck with spelling as well. That's
1: right. That's right. Well, I mean, those those the what we call the big three spelling rules mm-hmm. uh, are to do with how you add suffixes onto the ends of mm-hmm. bases. Um, you know, the double the double the final mm-hmm. consonant, or drop the e, or change a, a y to an i. They mm-hmm. are all to do with morphological stuff. Mm. (laughs) How's that for a morpheme? Stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really
0: important. And so if I'm a teacher and, you know, I've been doing the right thing, I've been, you know, following the science of reading, I've been teaching, explicitly teaching phonics and haven't necessarily been doing much on morphology, maybe a little bit of morphology in there but not much, how do I start? Like, how does this get, how do I fit this into my program? Or where where does it fit within a literacy instruction kind of sequence?
2: Look, I think you can start from the get-go. You know, those of us who've had um, experience in teaching young children, which are the backgrounds I came from, uh, haven't we all at some point, you know, had a child with a reader and they've had trouble decoding words, you know, just like a little word like um, snips and we've put our finger over the S at the end and said, Can you read that without the S? And then they've been able to read that and bolt that on. We haven't done any formal teaching, but that's the sort of thing we're doing. And so, you know, from the very early stages, we can start to. Get our children aware of the fact that we can bolt bits onto words, whether Mm. it's an S or an ING or something like that. And similarly, we can chop a bit off, you know, when we're having difficulty with spelling, you know, or reading. We can just take our fingers over that and say, oh, there's a word that I can work out that word and and work out what it says. So Mm. I think even if you're not doing a formalised teaching of it, you can start right from the very beginning. And I think... There's value in that because mm. um, it prepares our children. So this isn't a whole new language they come into when they start getting into the more rigid uh, um, time-involved teaching a bit in the middle years of primary.
1: Mm. It, I'm glad you mentioned that, Sal, because I'm doing that more and more with my students in the Playberry program. When you do do that stuff of covering up that that final S, which we know is suffix S, and getting them to – and I'll say to them, just just, just sound out the bass. Now, I haven't explicitly taught what base is, but I'm starting to thread that stuff in straight away. Just read me the base and then we'll uncover. And sometimes I go, I'll take my finger off the suffix now. I've got to pick my kids carefully. Mm. Some of them, that's too much. But um, I don't know who said it. But I, I use this often. As soon as as soon as a literally works out that cookies is preferable to cookie, <laughs> or biscuit is preferable, uh, sorry, biscuits is preferable to biscuit, they are developing a. Uh, they're developing what they call morphological awareness. So, there's we we do need to go there pretty early.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would think that generally you you would still start off with a phonics approach.
2: Sure. Oh, absolutely. there would be a certain
0: mm. amount of prerequisite knowledge that a kid would need oh, yes. before mm. starting into morphology mm. because how do you read cookies or cookie yeah, yeah. if you haven't already done, you know, worked out little letter sounds for, for cookie yes. and be able to read that word? Yes. So where would it mm. fit in with that kind of sequence? You know, we can bring morphology in informally, you know, mm-hmm. we can start covering up an S and getting mm. kids used to the fact that mm. words have these meaning components to them, or these little bits of meaning in them. Mm. But where would it fit if we were teaching it in a sequence?
1: Well, it, um, it, it does really come back to your your phonic scope and sequence, your your sequence around teaching grapheme, phoneme correspondences. So I wouldn't be formally teaching suffix S until we've looked at the letter S, making its s or z sound, because it can be suffixing with the with either of those. And that's Mm. a sound, isn't Mm. it, when it's nouns, Mm. dog, dogs. But on cat, it's cat and cats. Mm. So we've got to have both of those phonemes for that grapheme locked in. Uh, I wouldn't go to ing until we've taught ng making Mm ng. So uh, that's that's your start point. Lots of schools now or lots of programs um, will have... a a, a steady introduction of prefixes and suffixes in line with the phonics, scope and sequence, and we certainly will have that as well in word cracking. But that's your rule of thumb. Mm. If that morpheme, base or suffix contains code that you have not taught, don't go there. Go there in discussion. If you're doing a read-aloud with your students, uh, you can talk about that word if the word's likeable. You can go, oh, kids, look, the base there is like and and, and A-B-L-E means uh, able to. That means you're able to like. But you wouldn't get the kids writing or reading independently, spelling or reading independently with that because you've not given them the practice. Mm -hmm. So you can point it out in shared reads, um, but when it comes to their use of the code, stick to your phonic structure. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, I
2: agree. And I think, you know, other things come into play. So we see ING on the end of lots of words, don't we? Uh, And that's that's great, you know, so we can have bending, helping, trusting, all those types of words. Um, And then we come to words like making, you see. Uh So, you know, we're in trouble. So we have to be very mindful of the fact then, oh, am I going to teach that drop e rule at this point? Or am I just going to use that suffix ing with what we would call a safe ending pattern where we don't have to do anything to the base word? So these are the things that you have to discuss and think about with your team when you're working out where your morphology sits in and fits into your into your class um, mm. routine.
1: That's right. Um, you just made me think about introduction of uh, irregular words in spelling, Sal, tricky words.
2: Mm.
1: And so often we ask kids to spell words that'll have one of those rules in it. But we're not cognizant that it has that rule in it. Mm. Um, you, you know, if you've taught, um, yeah, if you've taught uh, a consonant e and ing, and you ask mm. a student to spell making, well, it's not that simple, is it? Because yeah. there is a drop e, so mm. we've got to we've got to go there. Otherwise, mm. we leave a lot of our kids that's guessing. Right. Yeah,
0: it gives them another hook.
1: Yeah, to mm. remember the
0: spelling of something or mm. to work out the spelling mm. of something.
1: Well, that's really important. You say that because some that some of the. The first irregularly spelled words we give kids are words like said and does. Now, any teacher knows it is notoriously hard to get that orthographic string, which is non-regular because S-A-I-D should not spell said, should it? But if we can talk to our kids about how it started off as say... Um, with it now, what happened there with with said? It was say it used to be pronounced said. Mm-hmm. Now that's more that's more etymolo- etymology really, mm-hmm. is it? But mm-hmm. does is a better example? It is base do mm-hmm. with suffix es, mm-hmm. and what what we know about our our spelling system or our orthography is. The spelling will always stay constant, but the pronunciation will shift and it happens in lots of words. Mm. So does should be pronounced probably doers. Mm. But there's your hook for a student who is having trouble locking in D-O-E-S mm. because it's not how you typically spell does. If mm. you didn't, Or goes. Or goes. goes. There's right. a better one. Mm. Yeah. And,
2: and I think it's great if you can get that ironed out in the early years because otherwise that's really the earliest point a student comes along, you know, maybe a little grade one student or reception student, and they're coming along and they immediately find they can't spell those words yeah. because they're not doing what we've taught them as teachers to do, which just sound words out, you know. Um, and then they get something like that. And so straight away, they're getting those messages, I can't spell. That's right. And then, you know, that, those types of words can persist into middle and upper primary school. But if we can teach them from the get-go, oh, actually, well, there's a way we can learn how to spell this word. You can avoid that and avoid them giving themselves those self-messages that I can't spell. Yeah. You know?
1: yeah, and we need to go... Um beyond that uh, oh that's just a tricky spelling stuff Mm, because even littlies will remember the story about Mm. uh, goes and does so you know I think we tend to under under intellectualise that stuff Mm. and and when there is a there is a a, a good explanation based in a word's morphology Mm. about why the spelling is what it is
0: yeah and you know Recently, because, you know, I've been doing more, 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 morphology. <laughs> more morphology. <laughs> doing morphology. More morphology. Morphology. More morphology. You've morphed into it, have you?
2: <laughs>
0: uh, building the online tool. Something that's occurred to me, uh, tell me whether you think this is valid or not, because it's early in my thinking, but one of the trickiest things, particularly for kids that live with dyslexia or like a phonological deficit where they can't hear the sounds in a word. And so spelling becomes very tricky because you think, you know, you're using a schwa for one of the vowels and you just don't know what vowel that is. Mm. I've always found that to be one of the trickiest things to teach a kid to say, you know, let me think of a word like despite. Mm. Despite. Is that a D-U? du? Mm-hmm. De? Mm-hmm. or is it a D-E mm. or is it d? is yeah. it despite yeah. Yeah. is it despite I don't know, see no. this is really tricky because it's just that schwa sound in that word um, and in the past the only advice I've been able to give kids is go through the vowels in order mm. A-E-I-O-U, try an A in there try an E in there, try an I in there because they're the most likely ones and even though it sounds like a uh, sounds like a U, it's less likely to be a U in that spelling. But that feels kind of hit and miss to mm-hmm. me because if you're still having that phonological difficulty, then it's not much help.
1: No, I've never mm-hmm. thought about the word despite, by the way. I know where mm-hmm. you're headed with this. Keep going. But I think
0: morphology, mm-hmm. if you know the base... Mm-hmm. Spite. Spite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, okay, I've got spite... I know how to spell spite. That's the easy part. But then there's this schwa at the front. Mm. What might that be? Mm. Now, if I'm familiar with prefixing yes, and mm. I know the prefix D, yeah. then I go, okay, des- despite? Is yeah. it despite? Yeah.
1: the student's aware of prefix DE, mm. they can then mentally cleave that off of spite and then they're not spelling it despite because P-I-T-E, spite, I'm assuming is nothing. So, they, they've got that morphological mm. lens. So, you, that's right. You've overcome the schwa. Yeah. It's it, it, Which
0: I think is one of the most tricky things. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, those multi-syllable words that have the schwa, I've started using that personally as an in to go, okay, well, what might the vowel here be in this schwa bit? Yes. Mm. Is it a recognisable prefix mm. or suffix? Or, that's right. You know, can I isolate the base in this and that and I know how to spell that. Yeah. It's just when they get mushed together. Yes. And I hear this uh in there, I don't yes. know what how to spell it.
1: That's right. And the only other way you get in trouble if you are morphologically aware is you might spell it D I S S P I T E. But then you get you know, which is not actually a bad crack at it. But it's it still shows an awareness of the base being spite. So, mm. yeah.
0: And it's a discussion to have with a kid and it just gives them another tool. It does. So when they're sitting there scratching their heads going, and I'm sure we've all seen this, we've all seen a kid try and write a word... And write that vowel that's being schwa'd and cross it out and try another one in there and try another one yeah, in there yeah. and and you, then you throw your hands in the air. I go, mm. I don't know. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they put both vowels in there. Yes. As a little a bit of a two-way they have, bet. Have a bet each way, as I say. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think it, so it's just another tool there, isn't it, to help with that spelling?
2: Is. Yeah. And this, you know, chopping bits off just is so vital even from the early stages. You know, so many of our children have difficulty with consonant blends, you know. So if you have words like bends and camps, you know, and helps, you know, that, that end blend, you know, that mm. Mm in camps, it just gets a bit squashed off, up, you know, squashed and, and, and hard to articulate the phonemes in it, you know, in camps. Mm. You know, mm. that P gets... Gobbled up, doesn't mm, it? By like, what's next. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if we can get across to us, you know, if you camp, he camps, okay, oh, he's going to camp. Mm. You know, if they can think, oh, what's the base word it's come from, you know, and try and think of that family of words. They're more likely to get the camp right, you know, than camps. And then that gives them some sort of attack skills for spelling.
1: It it is a completely different way of processing Mm. that word, isn't it? Mm. Um, Yeah, and overcoming that squashed little Mm. set of phonemes on the end. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: because if you have a phonological deficit Mm. and the only tool you've got to spell a word is to use your phonemic awareness... Yeah. Then you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Aren't well, that's you?
1: right. Finger spelling will only get you so far because mm. we, like you said, Michael, we're in a morphophonemic mm. language. So the finger spelling helps us with the phonemic bit. But you know, if we don't, if we'd just kept to the Anglo-Saxon layer of our language, that would have got us a lot further. But we have many, many other layers to our to our language, which which makes that hard. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so. What sort of prerequisite knowledge? We've touched on it. You know, we want kids to have letter sound correspondence. They must be in a tight
1: program Mm. of that being taught, yes. They
0: need to have that under their belt. Mm. You know, they need to be at a certain level of reading before this morphology can be meaningful for them. You know, otherwise they're just struggling to read the word Mm. anyway. Mm. Mm. Um, What other prerequisites would they need... In order to make the best of it? Like what other stuff would you be going through? Well, I'm an awareness syllable types? Yes, that's mm,
1: right. Yes. This is where I was going to go. Mm. And I, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, certainly if you're starting to bring in prefixes, you know, which often have a, a long vowel sound because they're open syllables, you've, you've, your students have to understand about that.
1: That's right. I'm looking at prefix RE. Mm, pro. Uh, pro, yeah. Mm, re, yeah. That's right. So, well, there you go. Um, an awareness of open and closed syllables, so you know what sound that vowel is mm. making, why it's ob in obtain and not ob in obtain or, that's right, mm. or D and not D, even though it is schwa, that's a poor example. But, yeah, mm. that's right, yeah.
0: You need to be able to recognise vowels and consonants. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. You do, a- do
1: absolutely
0: fundamental. Mm. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And you need to be able to reliably pattern a word. Yes. You know, to say vowel, consonant, constant vowel or mm-hmm. whatever. So that early syllable work of open and closed syllables and being able to pattern them is a good kind of prerequisite practice for morphology, yeah. for when we come to patterning off the ends of faces. That's,
1: that's right. Um, I mean, different teachers and different programs syllabize differently, um, but you're still making an awareness of parts of words, mm. whether they're syllabic parts or morphemic parts. Thankfully, a lot of the time they line up. Yep. But, yes, that's right. So, yeah, an awareness that words come apart is important. Yep. Vowels, consonants, mm. open, closed syllables. Yeah. You
0: probably need to understand final silent E or magic E.
1: Um, Maybe well, not know. at the beginning. Not at the beginning because no. you can
2: avoid that. If yep. you go back to, you know, we were doing words like bend and help and so on. We can just stay with those nice short vowels. Yep. But as a teacher, we have to be mindful if we're going to work with those vowel consonant T words like make and like and so on, that is going to bring into play, your, you know, a first big spelling rule. So mm. are we ready to go there with our students? If not, we just stick to the nice, safe, easy endings that can be added on us, easy base words that can be added on to without anything happening to the word.
1: Mm. And um, being able to spot the easy base words is a, is a skill that we teachers have to get our mm. head around, mm. which is being aware of those end patterns on those bases, mm. and, and we, we go there in the word-cracking program. Mm. So
0: maybe we should speak a little bit about that.
1: Oh, okay, so, um, so bases or roots, those middle parts of words that are either prefixed or suffixed, they um, will share a certain... Pattern of vowels and consonants on the end, and we call this skill patterning off the base word. So I'm looking up Michael at the at the your magnetic word cracker up there, and the base is spect like in disrespectful you've built there. So if you when we teach kids to pattern off the end of the base like in spect, they start at the vowel which is e, and they put a letter v over the top of that, and then they put one two consonants over the um, c and the t. So spect has what we call a vowel consonant consonant end. Now that's safe. If you've got a base with a vowel, consonant, consonant end, you can just add any suffix. You don't have to worry about dropping, adding, or mm. changing a y to an i. And there are there are safe patterns like that. Vowel vowel endings is another safe one. Um, vowel vowel consonants another safe one, and vowel y, vowel y is yes. another safe one. Mm. But then you get the ones that are not safe. Mm. Mm.
2: So we probably should talk about what is tricky to add on. So we, we again have to introduce our students at some point to the fact that we have two types of suffixes. Well, we do. you know. So we have the ones which begin with a consonant, for example, like less, suffix s suffix L-Y, suffix N-E-S-S. And, and in the main, those suffixes are safe and easy to add on. And then uh, we have ones which begin with a vowel, like I-N-G and I-S-H and E-R and E-D and so on. Uh, And they're the ones that are likely to be more problematic. So, you know, in the word cracker, we've we've um, color coded these into uh, vowel ones being red because red means, uh, you know, danger. Take care. And uh, consonant suffixes beginning with a consonant of blue. Uh, And as I said, those are generally safe. So a good place to start with your students if, if this is new to them. So, so
1: awareness that there are suffixes that begin with vowels and they're called vowel suffixes and there are suffixes that begin with consonants and they're called consonant suffixes and the consonant suffixes are much safer to work with.
2: Uh, And so you can see from what we're saying now, there's a lot of language to develop around this with our students. You know, we're going to have to teach them what a suffix is. We're going to have to teach them what a prefix is, what a base word is, what a root is, you know. And then that brings into play grammar, because as we teach a suffix, we will teach its function in grammar. Uh, So, you know, you cannot do this all at once. It has to Mm. be done... Like any teaching, it has been in structured, you know, uh, way, you know, explicitly taught at the age-appropriate um, level. Mm.
0: So it's a very complicated thing. Mm. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, you know, I've been trying to get my head around morphology for probably two years. Me too. And still feel like a beginner. Um, get used and, to that yeah, feeling. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, you know. I think back to when I started and how confusing it was. And you know, I did my initial training with you two guys, and well, I remember didn't do sitting there. We a good there. job. <laughs> <laughs> we were clearly terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's a lot, isn't yeah,
0: it? Yeah, I, 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 I was quite overwhelmed because there yeah. is a whole lot of new language to learn. Yeah, um, and it is a really complicated system. But what we've done is try and simplify it for people. So we've mm. built a system called word cracking, mm. which two built initially as a manual mm-hmm. to try and demystify this, to try and break it down into simple to understand steps and into simple to understand rules, as mm. simple as we can get it. I mean, yes, ultimately it is for students, but it's also mm-hmm. for teachers, isn't it? Mm. You know, uh, yeah. I don't know where I would be with without having that guidance and kind of learning as I go through this complicated system. Would you like to talk just for a minute about the genesis of the word cracker and how you came up with that and where it came from, what the idea behind the program? Just before well, it's not we a go program.
1: on. No, just yeah. before we go on. Genesis has the root G E N, sometimes with an E, which means origin. Ah. So, a bit of morphology for genesis for you. But anyway, sorry, off Yeah, it was really you, Sal, wasn't it? It was using. Uh, yes,
2: I suppose I, I did some training through the UK. I, I, I'm saying five years ago. I think it's probably more than five years ago now. I'm, yeah, it would be more than five years. Um, and that's where you know I, I I came across this this discussion about morphology and the need to teach it and um, to be honest, it was still quite new at that point. It might be more like 10 years, I don't know. Anyhow, um, and so that got me interested, you know, because as I say, I've been teaching students with dyslexia for a long time, but I thought, yeah, there's there's more to this, you know, than what I've been teaching and how I've been teaching up to now. So um, I came away from that and and um, and then with Bill, I thought we we need something that's very good and physical and hands-on with our students. So there began... What we um, came up with uh, was a a manual um, hands-on board because Mm. with students with dyslexia, we want hands-on, multi-sensory as much as possible. So we um, came up with this magnet board uh, and that's worked very well, actually. And we still use this with our students with intervention. Um, And so we've been using that for a few years now. And then from there, we thought well, we were getting the feedback. The teachers wanted it as well. We'd started off thinking this was mm-hmm. about intervention, but then we found out that classroom teachers were wanting to be upskilled in this as well. And, of course, in the classroom, you, you want a bigger resource. Uh, and so that's why we started thinking about doing the online version. And so... Um, this is what we've done.
1: Yes, because the, mag- the the magnet board's great when you've got kids in close proximity because I'm just looking at it, it's probably about 60 centimetres across and probably about 40 centimetres up, right? Mm. And teachers were starting to, who had bought the board, teachers were starting to scan the board mm. and pop it up on their big screens. So we, we, we knew, we, we had it, we intuited, we had a sense mm. that teachers would do that, but we mm. thought it was time to create with you, Michael, the online version. Because, I mean, if you've got this knowledge, mm. why would you just keep it to intervention? Mm. Everyone mm. needs it. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
0: So the word cracker was born out of intervention, that
1: it was concept. Yeah. Mm.
0: And the cracking part is really about cracking words apart Absolutely. into their little units mm. of meaning. Mm. That's
1: right. So in Playberry, anyone who teaches Playberry at Tier 3, there's morphology within the scope and sequence. Um, and we were, uh, Sally was doing this before I was, Sally was using this notion of a cracker with her students and I was much slower to it, but we were looking for a way to better teach and better embed the morphological part of, of the Playberry Tier 3 program.
0: Yeah, so when we say cracker, we're talking about a Christmas cracker. Hmm. Yeah. That's which right. which if you're in America, <laughs> you won't know what we're talking
1: about
2: because they don't mm. have them there.
1: They don't cross arms and pull the crackers. <laughs> Sorry, guys. At, yeah. <laughs>
2: but i was it's talking very, to very british
1: isn't it to the <laughs> yeah. cracker yes
2: uh, uh, bonbons if you live in australia <laughs>
1: yeah we <laughs> oh, call them a cracker yeah.
2: but they
0: so i was talking to somebody there just last week and they thought it was a lolly like a wrapped lolly uh,
1: cuz that's what it looks Cause
0: like cuz that's Can what we- it looks like it looks oh. like a little lolly with you know that's wrapped in paper with the two little fantail. oh
1: we ends could call it, it word candy <laughs> in candy. the us <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's this visual representation, yes. and I suppose the key to it is that it has three parts. Mm. Yeah,
1: the separation mm. is the The visual the separation. Mm. Yeah. And um, why is that important? Because we know uh, from um, fairly compelling research, students with difficulties with reading and spelling difficulties don't. Easily find those boundaries in words. So it's the syllabic boundaries that give kids with SLDs uh, specific learning difficulties problems. They don't really know where one syllable ends and another one begins. And because a lot of morphemes line up with syllables, we needed to create a resource which really clearly shows where one bit ends and the other bit begins to help with the, with the blending of it, uh, the construction and the deconstruction of words. Mm. So, so the cracker does that. It's, it, it very, very explicitly shows visually these pieces. Yeah. And that's why there are three sections, mm. prefix, base or root and suffix.
0: And certainly that's my personal experience. Mm. You know, working kids living, with kids living with dyslexia, they're presented with a two-syllable word, they're completely lost yeah, as to how to read it or how to pronounce it.
1: Or how to spell it. Oh, yep. Yeah. All
0: I do is put my finger on the second syllable mm. so they can see the first syllable and they can read that no problem. Yeah. Mm. Then they read the second syllable, then they put them together and they can read the word, but put them both there and they're lost because, like you say, they can't see that boundary. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and chunking a word or reading a word in its parts is, is a way that we deal with... Um, Cognitive co- cognitive overload. Um, so when we strike a, if any reader strikes a big morphologically complex word, we all go at it in its bits. Mm. But if you don't know where those bits are, you, you're in trouble. You can't you can't do that little uh, hack, which is the way we get around our you know limit of five to seven pieces of information we can hold in mind. We can't get around that hack because mm. we we can't chunk it.
0: Yep, yeah. that's right. And so. When we're talking about traditional work with syllables and teaching kids to read, you know, we've got our different syllable patterns and we teach kids where those syllables break, Mm. how to pattern those words and how to spot, you know, Mm. where this syllable might break. You know, if it's got a double consonant there, it almost always splits in between those consonants. So we get them used to that. But morphology is a bit different, isn't it? Yes. Well, so this isn't morphology and syllable boundaries. You know, for teachers that are perhaps using syllables mm, already, mm. they're not the same thing.
2: No, no, no. If you take the word reporter, for example, okay, well, we know that it's a suffix re and the and the suff, uh, uh, sorry, the prefix re and the suffix er, and the base in the middle is port. But if you say it in syllables, it's re porter. Now, for a student who is very unaware of those morphemic boundaries, you know, and has difficulty with spelling. Why would you not spell poor as, you know, because it's poor you can hear in the middle Mm. as P-O-O-R... Or P-O-U-R or P-O-R-E, yeah. you know, and then ter is on the end. Oh, ter must be a suffix, you know. You know, so this is why we need to get our students honing into the fact that is there a base, is there a root in the middle, you know, or is there a prefix I can chop off, is there a suffix I can chop off, and then that's going to help me spell that middle bit of the Mm. word with greater success. Yeah, that's
1: that's probably easier than Mm. spotting a Mm. syllable boundary. Mm. Mm. And typically developing readers or spellers, Develop a, uh, an intuitive sense of that. Not that not that many people in the street could tell you that port means to carry or bear. Mm. Because, but um, people who aren't struggling with reading and spelling do develop this sense that it's P O R T in the middle of that word, mm. and that's and that's our that's our main bit of it, mm. and we're building around it. Mm. But yeah, kids kids with difficulties who make up. Twenty to twenty-five percent diagnosed or otherwise, and that's a big chunk of your mm. class. Mm. To know that, well, to know that for kids with difficulties is important. And if you don't have difficulties, you have immediately expanded your vocabulary and your and your understanding of words with that. Mm. So up goes your comprehension. Yeah, yeah.
2: And that brings us to another point, you know, because once you can spell reporter and you understand that port means to carry or bear, then you can spell deport or deporting and export and import and support. And you know. importance. Uh, and, and so our students don't see spelling as this mysterious thing and, mm. and you know, they've got a better handle on, oh, I've, I've got some skills here I can use to work this word out. It's the newest thing to maths that I like, actually, because,
0: <laughs> you know, it
2: actually makes sense, you know. Yeah.
0: And it gives you a bit of confidence. Yeah, that's right. You know, where you're unsure, like we were saying Mm. before, you you can't hear the sounds, but you know this bass port and you know that it's spelled Mm. P-O-R-T. And so you've got a sense of confidence that, or at least I've got that bit of the word right. Mm. Mm. And now, you know, do I know the prefix? Do I know the suffix?
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think it's a great tool. Mm. And the word sport, what's the story about that? Was that once disport? So oh, the, words, no, <laughs> the, word, the word sport actually contains um, base port in it. Right. And I'm going to, while you guys talk, I'm going to find it so I can get this right, but no one ever thinks that the word sport has base port in it, and it does. Oh, yeah, Beautiful. Yeah.
0: Okay, so it's very complicated, mm-hmm. and you built this brilliant, you know, and I say it's brilliant because I have been using it for a couple of years and the kids love it and, you know, in my office here, I've got the cracker on the board on you know, stuck on my wall, and we're always making words on it yeah. and playing around with it, making silly words, making words that they know, or I give them a challenge. Um, so it's been a great tool, but it is so complicated that I find myself, at least initially, lacking a bit of confidence with it,
2: mm-hmm. because
0: unless you're really familiar as a teacher, it's difficult to kind of take that leap Mm. in front of Mm. a class and say, okay, we're going to do Mm. this today. Mm. If your knowledge maybe maybe Mm. is not quite there yet. And so part of what I think is great about the online cracker is that it's got a lot of these things built in. Mm. So if you're a teacher that's new to teaching morphology, you're not 100% sure about whether this base has a safe ending Mm. pattern Mm. or not, Mm. or you don't remember the meaning of a particular root or a base or a suffix or a prefix, what we've done is build those into the word cracker. So with the press of a button, you can see whether this base or root has a safe ending. It'll just come Mm. up and tell you. Mm. It'll show you what that pattern is or it will show you the meaning of the morpheme Mm. straight away. And, you know, even though this, you know, sounding like a sales pitch, but... (laughs) I. We've built it like that yeah. um, because oh. it's so complicated and it's so hard. We really wanted to build something that we wanted to use yes. mm. that would make our life easier. Mm. Because,
1: look, we, we know that teachers are getting their head across this at the same time as they're teaching it. it mm. That is just a fact because mm. none of us got this in our pre-service teacher <laughs> training. Mm. So we've got to build something that makes it easy for teachers as well. Mm. Now, um, what I don't want what I don't want teachers to think is that they have to be a cross morphology before you teach it. You'll never be a cross morphology. Mm. But what a tool like this does is allows you to explore with kids. Mm. So and by the way, speaking of exploring, I have gone to etymology online and I've put in sport and here we go. It as I as I suggested, it comes from old French de sporter or deporter to divert, amuse, Pleased to seek amusement, to literally carry away the mind Hmm. from serious matters. So oh, that's what oh. sport does. So it carries us bit. away. Mm. Yeah. So it,
0: yeah, de- it sure I, does yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a safe conflict, isn't it? It's like a safe war. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Easy, <laughs> you can have a competition it? without yeah.
1: someone getting killed or injured. Well, not deliberately. Mm. That's right. And and oh, so our competition. Here we go. Pet in competition or compete. Yeah. What was that again? Yeah, to strive um, in common. To, yes,
2: to strive. Yeah. yes, yeah,
1: So you can yeah you can strive safely without shooting anyone. So yeah. Mm. Okay,
0: so if I'm a teacher now or, you know, someone who's tutoring or, or even a parent who wants to help my kid um, and I want to find out more about this, mm. what sort of resources are out there? You just mentioned Etym Online.
1: Yeah, it's Etymology Online. Etymology Online. Yes, which is an incredible resource. But you almost need to train yourself to, to, to know how to use Etym Online. Yeah. Um, But, yes, that can help you when you need to go down a rabbit hole. And I do it a lot with kids. You know, we'll see a word and we'll theorize. You see, this is the thing about morphology. You teach your brain to theorize about words. Ah, could the base be that? Could that be be a prefix? Could that be a suffix? And might this word mean this? So it's actually a way of thinking about words other than, a body of knowledge, for instance, like a like a grapheme, phoneme correspondence, a phonics scope and sequence. Now, that's a finite body of knowledge. Yep. Um, morphology it's probably helpful to think more of as an infinite body of knowledge because it is so deep. But we we do we develop a way of looking at words and thinking about them. Um, the great book called Beneath the Surface of Words. whose mm. the author's name escapes me at the moment. We'll put it in the show notes. That's basically what she said. We teach ourselves and kids a way to mm. look at words. And that's morphology. Yeah.
2: And it goes on for life, really, doesn't it? it you so if never we can, stop. Yeah, if we can teach our young children to get that awareness and interest, you know, yes, they might still feel it difficult, but they they will have a handle for life and and um, hopefully spark their curiosity around exploring words.
1: I haven't had a child... I have not worked with a kid who is not enthralled by oh. this, this version of word work because yeah. it makes you feel really smart mm. when you can take these big words and go off and tell your teacher, yeah. did you know that sport actually contains the base port in it, yeah. which means to carry away from, you know. Mm-hmm. Kids love sharing that, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, with their teachers and their parents. And mm-hmm. and people are genuinely impressed when someone comes up mm-hmm. and gives them some morphological information about mm-hmm. a word. Like you know, right. I've been sending kids away with exit, you know. EX means out of, and IT mm-hmm. isn't just a pronoun. It means to move. So when you exit, you move out of. You know, we all love it. That's good dinner party conversation, depending on your circle of friends. (laughs) (laughs) Or a great way not to get invited anywhere, you know. you have a circle of friends? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe I don't suffix the S on friend. I don't know. Or suffix S, but yeah. Yeah, so...
2: I think, I mean, uh, the amount of resources out there now is just growing exponentially. Um, and so there's some wonderful books out there on, on how to upskill yourself and, um, and, you know, read all the books you can, but um, sometimes it's just nice to have something hands-on yeah. and just a little bit of time where, you know, you're just guided through. So yep. yeah. uh, I suppose that's what we've tried to do with the Word Cracker Online. Mm-hmm. we has just tried to make it easy. Your teacher notes that you put in for us, Michael, are fantastic. So, you know, that old thing of the teacher just being one step ahead of the child is very prevalent, yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: And so you two have been running morphology training for mm. a while now. Yeah, yes, it, years, was, yeah. it
1: was, It mm. was. yes, word cracking was a gift given to us all by COVID <laughs> when we all had to go quiet and that's when we started it. But that, our first, yeah, we ran our first mm-hmm. training just as things opened up, didn't we?
2: I don't know. I thought we'd run it before, but you could be right, Bill. Um, but maybe, I yeah. don't know. It's just time goes by. You it know, does. It gets. But we started, yes, we did live training and then we've done some online training as mm. well. People from different parts of the world, um, and then the next stage is you'll be able to do the online training yourself. Yeah. in, in yeah, pieces, absolutely. in bites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: on the on the word cracking website.
0: Yeah, um. so at wordcracking.xyz, you can go and do the training okay. at your own pace. That's right, um, step by step, mm. and you know, in my experience, you can do as little or as much as you want. That's you right, know, because. And this is this is not a criticism of yeah. your training, yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot to take yeah, in. it is yeah. it, in it, one chunk.
1: Yeah, um, that's right. So you can you mm-hmm. can basically set your own setting of word nerdery, mm-hmm. uh, and go at that, you know, at, at whatever pace you like, because it does take a little while for yeah. stuff to settle in.
2: And you might not want to know why you, you know, double on two-syllable words and sometimes not if you're teaching, you know, grade ones. It yes. might not be your cup of tea, but you can just get really skilled around the age you're teaching with and then if you change age groups, you can upskill yourself then.
1: Mind you, when you're writing reports and you're using the word focused and you mm. want to know whether it's a double S or a single yeah, that's S, that, really. that's where the doubling rule part two mm. does help. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those who didn't, that's the, where's the doubling doubling rule part two. <laughs>
0: And so when you've been conducting training, are there any kind of um, predictable responses that you're getting from teachers? Either, you know, I wish I knew this about a particular thing or, oh, wow, you know, that's really useful. Are there kind of some gems that you can predict when you're training people are going to get something, you know, really good out of?
2: I think the The most feedback we get is it's fun. Yeah, you know, people like to play. The training is very hands on, so it's not just a case of you know us talking to a slide. Yes, we do do that, but we give you plenty of activities so Mm. that you do get hands on and you start playing on the cracker yourself. You know, Mm. Um, and and then people feel enthused. I think you know because we all learn by doing, don't we? Um, So that's probably the main thing that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, there is. There is shock and awe usually in equal pieces, just like I remember I first felt when um, I started to get my head around morphology. I didn't do a formal training. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Wrote a formal training before doing one. Read a fair bit. But yes, um, it's a big body of knowledge. And when you present people with a huge body of knowledge that they were probably not prepared for and unaware of there's a fair bit of shame around that for people Mm. so the games and the playing and the hands on stuff is really really important so it's so you know we try to de-intimidate if there's such a word Mm. (laughs) the body of knowledge
0: yeah i think that is a factor isn't it you know to to say i've been a literacy teacher for x many years Mm. but Mm -hmm. i'm not familiar with morphology Mm -hmm. it's a little bit confronting isn't it to come out and -hmm. and, you know yeah be a student again and Mm -hmm. learn something new i Mm -hmm. certainly found it confronting when i did it yes something
2: it's so good though isn't it because we we, you know i think it's always good to be uncomfortable for a little bit of time (laughs) because um we we get a feel for what our students go through yeah that's right you know and so you know we were reminded of that and uh you know yeah it's
1: good um do, do get used to that. You get comfortable with that feeling of discomfort, don't you? Mm. Like I said, you'll never understand everything about mm. the English system because it is so deep. But you just give yourself permission to go there and you build up a base of knowledge which then sets your brain up to ask the right types of questions about words. Mm. Um, but uh, you just go there with the kids and I think that's really important. Look, there are certain parts of stuff that we teach that we must be at mastery before we take kids there. Otherwise, we, we go down the wrong hole with mm. kids. I'm, you know, I'm not a massive fan of inquiry all the time. And we certainly don't teach the code through inquiry. But when it comes to morphology, there is a little bit of uh, inquiry in there. And, and the example before of, you know, that, that word, you know, despite, all right, what might that mean? If we know that yeah, you know, that that type of thing, and kids love that. Mm. And to get kids thinking and posing questions about words is is, is a really important part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. For me, when I've been teaching, there have been two. There are two reliable, eye-opening moments for kids. The first one is the realization of open and closed syllables, yep. and short and long vowels. It was an eye opener for me as well mm. when I learned it, mm. because suddenly it was like, ah, oh, like there's actual sense to English. There's some predictability. Like there is actually here. rules mm. yeah. that you can look at and go, ah, oh, like this isn't just a jumble of symbols that I've got to somehow work yeah. out how to decode. Yeah. So that's always a kind of an eye opener moment, I think, when I'm teaching kids. They go, you know, consistently go, ah, oh, yeah,
1: right. And you say to kids, and someone decided on this. Yeah, when that's English right. When English spelling was standardised, a group of people sat down and said, "It shall be this way." Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's a reliable moment, and also the introduction to morphology. Yeah. Mm. So you know, I do it, and we do it under the Playberry program with the suffix S, mm. and talk to kids about this letter S. Mm. Yes, it makes the sound S or Z. Mm but did you know it also has meaning? Yeah. Like mm. that's a powerful little letter mm. Mm. and it can turn yes. one thing into multiple <laughs> things.
1: And when we were writing, well, I think Sal wrote the lesson in the manual for suffix S, which then I put up on the, the website. Mm. When looking at that again, it's a useful reminder of just how complex teaching a, our, our simplest suffix mm. Right, how complex that is when you look at the meta language behind it, because inside that are concepts of plurality. So, s can take an, uh, suffix. s will take a noun and make it mean more than one. Mm. Uh, there's a verb which we'll, we'll add suffix s to to help that verb make sense in a sentence. Mm. Uh, there's the language itself around this thing as a suffix. So we've got noun plural suffix already there's all this language underneath it Mm. and it's a consonant suffix Mm. and it goes on to the end of a base Mm. that's right so you know typically developing readers well fine they they might not need to know that but I would argue yes they do because later on everyone needs to know what a a verb and a noun is because when you're forming sentences Mm. and clauses a clause needs a verb and a noun but um, yeah there's a lot to it even the simplest suffix we've got there's a lot to it Mm. yeah
0: and it packs a powerful punch of learning for kids. You Correct. Know, it, sure, it, does. I, it is an eye-opener for mm. them. And like you say, Sally, it's fun. They mm. experiment mm. with it, you know, yeah. and mm. they get a sense of cockiness. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's you awesome. can really see a little bit of a swagger there. A bit of a spitter swagger Of, of, swag. like, yeah. <laughs> of <laughs> Definitely. like, you know, they've. I find that they've heard the word plural before Mm. but it's a bit shaky Mm. you know whether they Mm. know what it means or not yeah yeah. (laughs) they don't really know but after that moment it's not shaky Mm. anymore you know what i mean Mm. they they really get it and Mm. go Ah, it's a real eye-opening moment so morphology for me has some magic moments it does Mm. all right Mm. swagger
1: what's swag (laughs) what does that mean I, this is where my brain goes. Yeah, We've I'm used the, the word swagger. It's swag. It's. I'm. Sh- am assuming it's suffix. It's, it's suffix mm. with er, it's We've double the g. Mm. But what does swag mean? I, don't, I must have a look. Mm. Michael's gone smoke. Michael's gone. Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll have <we'll>, a look. <laughs> well, we'll have it by the end of it. We'll have it, and it might. And it might. I've got a feeling it might be a little bit of slang. Mm. Or has Sounds it got anything like, to mm. do with the roll up thing that you?
2: Well, I'd, I'd, a I don't thought thought so, swagger. but. Mm. He had a, we use it as a, you know, he had a bit of swag about him, does not he? You know, yes. So, it was a bit of, you know.
1: bit A little bit of cockiness. Yes, that's right. And where does cocky go? Oh,
2: God. <laughs> <laughs> See? <I'll> go there. <laughs> okay, so this is
1: this is what happens in classrooms with mm. kids and you can get completely lost in it. But by heck, it is good. It is excellent vocabulary building. Okay, here you go. What do you got?
0: Swag. Uh, swag meaning to sway. Aha. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. Or To Boast or Brag mm-hmm. from and the 1590s. 1590s.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which layer did it come to us from? Has it got Latin or Greek or Old French? or? Uh,
0: earliest recorded usage is in Shakespeare, Midsummer Night's Dream.
1: There you go. No
2: swaggering home from the pub tonight. To sw- oh, <laughs> so well, <Sway>. <laughs> maybe Yeah, may, I
1: sometimes do sway.
0: It is probably from a Scandinavian source. Akin to Old Norse, I'm there not going go. to be able to say that. yeah Svedja. Svedja! S V E double
1: Probably swedja or sway. To, a... to swing or sway. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> when you walk, when you have a swagger, you've got a certain sway yeah, about it, you. You mm. walk with a bit of a swagger, it, and it's yeah. to do with a, swing, a, a confidence. Yeah. Mm. There you go. And confidence, confide.
0: Yeah, it's so descriptive, isn't it? Yeah. And like you say, Bill, you got you start going down the rabbit hole, don't you? Because you want to know where did that come from. And I definitely find kids want to do that. Yes, mm. yes. And I've got a, like a uh, Google Nest in my office and the kids often stop and ask, <laughs> what does this mean? What I've does that Alexa mean? I've got Alexa and we do the yeah, same yeah. thing,
1: yeah. And then I pulled out the word confidence and I'm going to do it. The root in confidence is the F-I-D-E, which means to trust. You'll see that in confide. Mm-hmm. So confidence is around trust. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and FIDE. No, does f- the FIDE? Yeah, FIDE. FIDE's infidelity, mm. which means to trust a program or use it with trust. Yeah, see, there we go. Mm. Swag, confidence. I'll stop it. Or I'll stop yeah. it. Sally's so <laughs> giving me that look now. I can't. I just I just love sharing this gear. So, I know. I'm so nerded out on this. Yeah. Like I never thought I'd be a word nerd. Mm. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. it does
0: it does it to you, doesn't it? Because that is what our language is. Mm.
1: Yes, mm. that's this right.
0: This is our language. This is these little chunks of meaning that have a huge history. Yes. Mm. And it is fascinating to mm. find out where they came from. That's right. And how we use them today, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's mind-boggling. So that's me personally, Yeah, but for
1: kids incredibly useful. Uh, huge huge punch um, right right across all of those endeavors that make up literacy um, the, obviously um, vocabulary uh, it is a it is a very efficient way to expand kids vocabs because you will pick a common root or base. And and you will build around it. So people that know a bit about morphology will will would have seen a morphine matrix, which we have built in to the online cracker. But you, yeah, you pop that hmm. you pop that root in there, like the F I D E, and you're building confide confidence. All these words with this with this meaning of you know to trust. Um, so off off goes that the spelling is obvious because we've got these big three spelling rules associated with it, and they're the, they're the rules that most kids kids who have difficulty spelling, mm. who hit high school, they're that they're often the ones that don't get mm. the double drop and change mm. rules. Yeah, they're the hardest ones. Mm. That's right because
0: and, because it's hard if you don't know the rule, you. You have a vague notion, I find. Kids have a vague notion that sometimes it's doubled at the end, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's an I, sometimes it's a That's Y, right. but they don't know when. No. Mm. And so they randomly chuck in That's a double right. or an I or a yeah. Y. Mm.
1: And then you've got, of course, comprehension. So if we've taught port to carry or bear mm-hmm. and a kid's reading something and the sentence or the clause says this was a matter of great import, so if a kid only knows import in the sense of carry in, they'll look at that and it'll they'll go what does that mean is something being carried in but import is is a, is an old fashioned mm. way to say something mm. is of is, of great carry or importance mm. so i mean that's probably bit, bit, there are probably better examples of that but if that student knows port to carry this mm. is a matter of great carry oh i get it i get the idea
2: portability mm. portability carry, yeah, yeah that's
1: right yeah
0: now i haven't done this myself but bill i've seen a video you've shared of classroom teachers actually having Card decks, yes, where kids learn the meanings, yeah, of the various bases or Do they do it with prefixes and suffixes yes, as yes. well? So, so, we've so got, they actually yes. learn the meanings, rote learn the meanings yes. of the morphemes.
1: That's right. It, it looks a lot like a phonic drill, but it's with common mm. it's with common prefixes and suffixes. Mm. And we've got those in the back of the Cracker Manual, uh, a set mm. for the Cracker, mm. same thing. But yes, and that's that. It's not something that
0: I do, but it's something I want to try and build in to what I do because I think that would be so useful, you know. I've started right doing it, yeah. You have? Have you? Yeah, with, yeah, with
2: my more advanced students. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to overload them if they're just getting going with the code, but those further up the program uh, and we, we start doing a new route, you know, either every week or every other week mm. and, and add it into their deck, you know, because I, by that time they're not doing some of the easier phonemes. They don't need to do those. Um, and, yeah, again, that, there's a bit of a swagger comes in when they can reel off what this makes. And I say, well, go make a word on the cracker with that, you know, struct or constructing, you know, mm, whatever. Mm. Um, and, yes, giving them some great tools.
1: Struct mm. means to build course, the
2: spelling mm. <laughs> Easy unspelling build, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's
1: right. It's a very important hack. You go, can't spell build because it's got that g- construct. Mm. <laughs> You've just sounded fancier. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I must do that, Sal. You just you got it's always cool hanging around you <laughs> too. Oh, I need to do that now. <laughs>
0: I haven't done it but it makes total sense to me. When I saw it, I thought, Oh, of course, because it just opens up that, that whole world of having an approach to spelling mm. unfamiliar yeah. words. You yes. know, if you have that if you have that poor ability to recognise whether something is spelled correctly or not. Mm. Just visually. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm not good at looking at a word and saying that doesn't look right. Yeah, your orthographic because processing it, it is it does look right yeah. to me yes. and, or I don't even mm. see it. Mm. Um, it just gives you an ability to proofread yeah. your work because if you're familiar with what the base mm. and the suffixes are, you can look at it and you go, "Hold on a sec. Yes. This is a suffix ED. What what have I put a U there for?" Yes. For Ud or
1: Yeah. And we do teach kids to find the base. Mm. You know, It's not my terminology, but I read it somewhere, chase the base. If you can identify that base, mm. because prefixes and suffixes generally aren't too complex, mm. um, if, you, if you can identify that base, you've got a really good start.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the benefits of morphology, what it is, how students can use it, how complicated it is. <laughs> and I can imagine if you're new to this and you've been listening to this, probably you know, a fair chunk of what we're saying might have gone over your head. It would have for me when I'd first heard it because it's so much new terminology. Um, so what can people do? Where can they go? Well, we've built something for mm. them mm-hmm. um, specifically for that purpose to say we're assuming that they don't know anything mm. when they come and do the online word cracker training. And we've scaffolded it as much as we possibly can for the beginner, mm. um, and that was your approach when you came up with the workshop, with the the training.
1: I wrote most of the workshops, so I'll kick this one to you, Sal.
2: <laughs> well, yes, we had to you know start at base camp really and talk about what what a morpheme is, like much like we did today, and then you know we get people playing on the cracker, and then and just then exploring all the main. Spelling rules, you know, the add double drop change spelling rules. Um, and talking how we can build that incrementally into the, into the student's knowledge. Um, uh, uh, one thing we haven't talked about really, but I think is so vital that, um, yes, we are using the cracker. The students might be using the cracker, but we've got to get the students working on their individual crackers as well, getting it mm. in the hand. Yeah. Otherwise, yes. it's just a reading activity. Yeah. You know, so every time, you know, it's like so much good practice these days. I do, we do, you do. You know, we should be very mindful of that because it's no good just doing it visually.
1: Yes, yeah, that's right. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, in our previous podcast... With Debbie Draper. Yes. Um, We talked about handwriting Mm. and the importance of writing. Mm. Yes. How it can Mm. support your reading Mm. and how when you write, it improves your attention, Mm. improves your memory, improves your understanding Mm. of things. Mm. And I absolutely agree. So, you know, when I do work with the kids, I have a stack of blank word crackers here on a sheet and, you know, they're writing lots. Yeah. Mm. You know, I say, okay, Put in the base help. Now, now, what would you? What suffix would you add if someone lacked help? Mm. You know, yeah. so That's and right. and I'll fire a whole lot of bases mm. at them to write in, and they write, and then mm. I get them to make up one. So it really has to be about that practice mm. writing, writing, mm, writing. Definitely. That's what really cements it. Yes, yeah. because if they're just pushing tiles around a screen. Mm. Mm. They're yeah. not really, yes, yes, that's good for the introduction of the concept, yes. mm. but they actually have to do it because yes. that's what literacy is, isn't it? Mm. Yes. It comes Definitely. down to the doing.
1: Yes, mm. absolutely. Yeah. You've got
0: to be able to do it, not just understand mm. it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point.
1: makes me think about your word chaining, Sal.
2: Oh, yes. Well, again, there's there's a number of ways you can do that. So you could just start off with a a very easy form of that where you're just manipulating phonemes. So, you know, I'm getting my young student, right, 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 bends, you know, what goes where, you know, bend in the middle, S on the end, or change it into bands, change it into hands, change it into stands, you know, um, and and so on. You know, so phony, phoneme manipulation is the first level of that. Next level could be, you know, once you've introduced you some of those uh, spelling rules, you know, so you might have start off with a word like spit, okay, make it into spits, right? That's easy. I can just add on the S. Make it into spitting. Ah, Mm. yes, I've got to do the doubling rule. Make it into spiteful, okay, can I change that? Remember, I've got to go back to a a long vowel sound with an E on the end and and so on with like Mm. that. Um, Or you could do it. Uh, around you know um, the grammatical meanings of a suffix you know so yes bit like you were saying Michael you know uh, somebody who teaches a teach and they have to work make that word mm. you know mm. uh, if they're doing it at the moment they are teaching, teaching okay mm. uh, and so on and and if we have to you know teach them again we have to reteach them uh, mm. so there's there's lots of these types of strings you can work out you know you've got to. Th- think through a bit exactly yes. what your students learned and what where you want to take them with that uh, but good you know mental manipulation really for and
1: it's y- like a y- workout y- it is yeah it is yeah <laughs> and um, there's a video that Sal's done um, and some instructions up on the word cracking website around word chaining which yeah. is the, where you can go um and if you get that all right, Sal, they can mm. consider themselves teached at the end of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a shame the can, can't they, you know? But well, there you go, you could bring in a tricky tricky word at that point, you know. <laughs> and where does taught come from, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well why isn't teached okay? Teach- yeah. 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 Well it probably is okay. We well, just don't use it. No. It was probably used at <laughs> one point. <laughs> you can consider yourself teached. <laughs> mm. He teached
0: me well.
2: (laughs) He teached me well, he did. I feel like we should be in the West Country. (laughs)
1: Edumacation, never done there, no, good. So, Bill.
0: Yes. um, We've been talking about morphology from a literacy perspective Mm. and how it can help us with spelling, it can help kids with reading Mm. by seeing those natural boundaries in words and breaking them up into chunks so that they become easier to read. We know that it brings meaning, so it's increasing their vocabulary. Yeah. Um, But another strand to this is beyond literacy and really when we're talking about other subjects because morphology Mm. is a huge part of the language of things like science and mathematics and geography. Mm. Mm. Um, And so, Bill, can you give us some examples maybe of where morphology could be useful in a broader context, like with helping kids with science yeah. or those kind of terms.
1: So whether whether particularly secondary science or math teachers, whether they're aware or not, one of the hugest barriers to kids um, being able to access that content and remember it is actually remember the terminology and understand what those words mean. So, for instance... Um, Kids will always get area and perimeter confused, mm. right? So peri, P-E-R-I-N, perimeter, ends up being, I think, it's either, obviously safe bet, either a Greek or Latin root, and peri means around. So if we can teach our kids that perimeter and peri means around, they will, mean, they will know it is the measurement around the mm. outside of a shape. Uh, let's think of something from science. Um, okay, hyper and hypo um hyper means too much like in hyperactive and hypo means not enough if you are hypoglycemic you don't have enough sugar in your bloodstream um oh there's a really cool one which uh, i learned not long ago if you were to write out the word psychiatrist or podiatrist there is this common um latin root to them which is i a t r which means to heal so if you, so, a podiatrist oh, no. will heal the foot because the P O D, which is another base, pod means foot. Yep. So a podiatrist is the healer of the foot, and the and the P um, S oh psych POD. P, pod yeah and the pod sorry yeah Something. and in psychiatrist the psych part is mind, mm. I A T R healer I S T someone who heals the mind. So you can go on and on, and you can you can actually download. Um, uh, you can download pre- fairly easily if you just Google search um, scientific roots or mathematical roots and bases. You'll get these lists. Um, breathe in, spire It means to breathe, inspire, expire. If you expire, you stop breathing. Mm. You know, but you also breathe out. So expire has a double meaning. So they're they're just everywhere. And these are the these are the the largely inaccessible parts of the language. Um, these And these are all Latin and Greek-based, these mathematical uh, um, and scientific terms. And there's also, there's also a whole heap of ones that come to us from the human sciences, from the humanities. But again, these are word parts that are really important. And if you know the meaning of these word parts, then you're in. Mm. You're not going to forget that perimeter means around. And that, uh, you know, I-A-T-R, if you see that, means to heal.
0: Mm. And you rem- and you understand better what you're reading. That's y- right. You do. Yeah. You know, yeah. even that's if right. we're talking beyond secondary into tertiary mm. and you're mm. reading mm. scientific papers. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a whole lot of gobbledygook, isn't it? That's right. But if you have morphological understanding, you can work out what a word means.
1: Yeah, that's right. Even the geo in geography, geo means earth.
2: And that, I think, is so good because some typically these were really long words a lot of the time. So, you know, it can preclude children from being able to read them understand them you know um, and therefore they just want to pull out of that type of subject you know because the language around it is so complex Um, and we've seen this modeled so well in primary schools around here where they've done such great morphology training through their primary school that they integrated into all areas of the curriculum you know so um, and then students can read quite complex pieces of work because they've got that morphological approach to, That's right. to um, understanding it. It
1: makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, look, my advice to secondary teachers uh, of uh, is you are exposing your kids to a lot of Tier 2 and often Tier 3 vocab, words that are very specialised to a field. Um, you've really got to go into a words morphology to make sure they've got hooks. You know, so every time a kid sees P N E U, they know we're talking about the lungs. You know that that sort of thing. Um, anyone who's no, I haven't studied medicine, but I've heard. I, I know a few people who have, and they say that the Latin is the really hard bit of it because all of our body parts um, have, these, yeah, still have, have these have these Latin, Latin names. names. What
2: your arm and your leg Bill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more. <laughs> Yeah, I was, yeah. a- <laughs> was going to say no, not no, going to say no, that one.
2: No. Pencil, pencil, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, but that was a fairly new um, exploration, wasn't it? You can look that one up on Listener, your own time. Is etymology online <laughs> yeah. and put
1: in pencil, and you'll see it's related to a body part.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: no, yes, yes. a finger, I imagine. Yes, mm. I was thinking more corpus colossum. <laughs> yes and and gyrus what's gyrus mean in brain parts gyrus means a fold i think oh does it yeah i'm pretty sure so the brain there are lots of gyruses in the brain and i think it's a fold in in the gray matter i
2: think of gyroscope and so on you know those yeah different spell
1: though gyrus is g-y-r-u-s and gyro is g-y-r-o the gyro would have meaning
2: yeah
1: Pretty, someone will correct me. I think gyrus is a fold. Mm.
0: Well, that would make sense with gyro because a fold is a turn, isn't it? So even a gyroscope is turning. Mm. Mm. Gyro. Which Gy- made me think gyrate. of verse. Gyrate. In reverse. Mm.
1: Verse, gyrate. verse, mm. and invert mm. mean to turn. Convert, converse, reverse. So, yeah, turn. See, there we go. Off again. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. It's killing me now, mate. Are you <laughs> having fun Here's yet, fold. Can you just mm. find that for me? And uh, in and and when we talk about fold, um, plic, or ply in multiplication, Mm. the p l i c means to fold. So when you multiply a number, it's like folding many times, but it's fold in the in sense of stacking up.
0: Okay, gyrus, convolution between grooves of the brain.
1: Convolution
0: between eighteen twenty seven from Latin gyrus. Yep. Circle circuit career from Greek gyros. A ring or a circle. Ah, Is this Etym Online again, Michael? Yeah.
1: Now, I want the listener to know if you use Etym Online, that is is put together by one gentleman whose name escapes me, but uh, you can actually, um, and this one man and his passion for etymology keeps Etym Online going but it, it, it actually uh, remains a thing because of the generosity of uh, donors. So, you, okay. yeah, you can I think, Etym Online. If you go to Etymology Online and go to the bottom of the front screen, you'll see a donate option. Mm. So, you know, let's keep that going because, yeah. yeah, this is a really, really... We've used it three times and teachers use it all the time. So mm. it's not a huge multinationally funded thing, mm. Etymology Online. So give it a hand if you can. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Mm. Okay, well, I think... People could probably gather from this that this is an endless path that we can go down. It really is an endless path. And so probably the most important part at this stage is how do you start? Hmm. So, you know, even though we are promoting our own thing here, you know, Hmm. a great place to start would be to visit wordcracking.xyz where we have got a whole lot of free resources and articles for people to get started and a complete training course in morphology Mm -hmm. and then of course you get access to the online word cracker which has the built-in meanings it has the built-in patterning the rules Mm. it's got the matrices there so it's a complete set of resources for teaching morphology and learning about morphology.
1: Can I just clarify, though, I don't think there's any such thing as a complete training uh-huh. in morphology. As <laughs> yeah. no, complete yeah. as we can
0: make it. <laughs> ah, that's right. Yeah. Springboard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a good starting point. Yeah. yeah. And something that we all hope will grow and keep growing. You yes. Know, e- every week, sometimes every day, we're adding more stuff to it, mm. adding more features, adding more information. So, um, yes, we. I know that we are blowing our own trumpet and here. And we're
1: allowed. <laughs> you know why, Michael? Because it's our podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, genuinely the reason why we did it is because it's so useful. Yeah. yeah. You know, it comes from an origin of wanting to teach kids, specifically kids living with dyslexia who find this so difficult. And when you've got kids that find it so difficult, you really need to use every tool at your disposal to make this complex English language understandable in some way. Give them some hooks, give them tools, give them strategies so that they can work out this diabolical... Spelling <laughs> and reading and writing system. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, diabolical, but also, um, elegantly complex. That's it's, right. It, it is a, we have, although it is complex, it is a beautiful orthography. And the more you study morphology, and, and word history, etymology, there is, a, there is a, a beautiful and elegant logic to it. It's really something to behold, but boy, oh boy, it is deep. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
0: It is beautiful. Yeah. I, and I think it's the complexity that makes it beautiful. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, in English, we have so many options for saying the same thing. We do. We do. Which makes poetry and arts and expression... I think, that much richer. So, yeah. yes, yeah. it's horrible, especially if you live with dyslexia, to try and learn it, but yeah. I actually do try and engender in my kids a love of it as well, you know, an mm. appreciation of the fact mm. that this, with this complication, the upside of it is that we can be so expressive with it. Yes, that's,
1: mm. that's right. We have, yeah, that's uh, mm. really not nicely put, Michael. Yeah, oh. thank
0: you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sounds a good way to end.
0: (laughs) So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Michael. Uh, It's been very enlightening. We could talk for hours and we already have. (laughs) Um, We hope you've got something out of it. Feel free to reach out to us. If you've got any questions or comments, please add them to the website. Don't forget to visit the uh, website to get the complete show notes. We'll put as much as we can in there and as many resources as we can in there to help you get started with morphology and learn about it. Uh, and our contact details are there as well. Feel free to reach out and ask questions or make comments. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Or, or correct something stupid <laughs> or correct that, something that I've no doubt said. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.